0: Today as we begin uh, in chapter 4, verse 14, we're beginning a new section in the book of Hebrews. If you're visiting and wonder why we picked this text, we actually didn't. We're going straight through the book of Hebrews. We go straight through books of the Bible all the way through from chapter 1, verse 1, all the way to the end. And you just happen to come on a day where we are in Hebrews and we are in chapter 4, verse 14. And what we're doing is we're beginning a new section in the book of Hebrews. So chapter 4, verse 14, where we're going to begin today, all the way through chapter 10 is going to focus on Jesus as our high priest. Uh, There'll be some digression in there, but that's the main thrust of that whole section. So before we launch into this new section, let me just give you a little background of where we came from and the previous, ver- the previous chapters and what Hebrews is all about. I want you to remember first and foremost that Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, is written to suffering Hebrew Christians who were being persecuted and being opposed by their Jewish kinsmen, by their families, but also by this time uh, the Roman Empire. Uh, And this persecution of these Christians, these Hebrew Christians, had been going on for a long time. Later in the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 32 through 34, it says this, "...but recall the former days, when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with suffering, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, sometimes being partners with those who were so treated." For you had compassion on those in prison, meaning those in prison for their profession in Christ, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew you, that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. I wonder how many of us would joyfully accept the plundering of our property. But this suffering had gone on for a long time. He says there, recall the former days, and it hadn't stopped. It was still going on years and years and years and there was no hope of it, the situation improving. And so many of these professing Hebrew Christians were being tempted to just turn back to Judaism. To turn back to where they had come from. Turn back to the Old Testament ways, the Old Covenant ways, the temple, the sacrifices, the high priest, and all of those things. Returning to the old way of life would make their sufferings and their persecution disappear. Their families would be happy, their Jewish kinsmen would be happy, and Judaism was a protected religion in the Roman Empire, so no longer being persecuted by Rome either. To go back, they would be able to rest, finally, from all of this hardship, these years and years of struggle. And the message of the book of Hebrews is don't turn from Christ he 's better than all else he's better than the old high priest, he's better than the sacrifices, better than the temple, better than the old covenant, even better than a life without hardship and suffering. Now the last section that we looked at, uh, chapter three, verse seven through four thirteen, was kind of a mini-sermon, I guess you'd say, based on Psalm 95. We spent three or four weeks looking at that. All of these sermons are on fbcmulvane.com, uh, so you can go and listen to those if you missed any of those. But the application of that section, the previous section that we just came out of, was don't rebel against the Lord like the wilderness generation did. And the refrain that the writer of Hebrews says over and over in that section is today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Hold firm to your confession of Jesus. Don't forsake the gospel, uh, the word of God, and go back to the old way, the old life, the old religion, because it would be easier. And that section ended last week with this gut-wrenching passage reminding them that God's word is non-negotiable. Let's read that. This is what we studied last week, verses 11 through 13 in chapter 4. He says, Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of uh, disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. And last week, when we, when we dissected that passage, we talked about how God's word exposes who we are. It lays bare the deepest parts of our intent, our motivations, our hearts. So it doesn't matter if we can justify our actions some kind of way or if we can make a defense or we can say, well, circumstances are really make it that where I have to do such and such a thing. No, God's word knows our hearts. He knows our hearts better than we do. So there's no justification or for disregarding God's commands because nothing's hidden from his sight. And all will give an account to God on the basis of His Word. So today, if you hear His voice, don't harden your heart. That's the refrain throughout that section. Now, we looked at those verses last week, verses 12 and 13 specifically, about the Word of God exposing us, and we'll have to give an account before God. And we talked about the fact that if the Word of God exposes us all... Lays bare our intent, our motives, our heart, our true heart before God. That's a terrifying message, isn't it? I mean, who can stand before the word of God and say, I have done all that is required of me? No one. No one can, and that is why we must have a high priest to make atonement for our sin, to represent us before God, to take our sin upon Himself and to give us righteousness. And that's where the writer of Hebrews goes next, beginning in verse 14. It says this. This is our text for today. Since then... Because the word of God exposes, nothing's hidden from his sight, and we'll all have to give an account to God. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who, is one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then... With confidence, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let's pray. Father, we do love you and we thank you for your word. God, I pray that you would show us what you have inspired in your holy inerrant word today. God, that it wouldn't be uh, just my thoughts or my ideas or some motivational speech for us to hang on. God, we want to hear from you. We, we can only survive hearing from you. We need to feed on your word. So God, I pray your spirit would come and that everything is said today is, uh, uh, is what you would have said. We thank you, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now in these verses, verses 14 through 16, they basically make two points. The first is they tell us why we must hold fast to our confession. And the reason is because we have Jesus, our high priest who's passed through the heavens. And the second thing he tells us is how we hold fast to our confession, especially in the face of suffering and temptation and trial and all the things that the Hebrew Christians were facing. And that's important for us to hear today. We all know, I mean, we all know intuitively that we must not harden our hearts at the Word of God. We, we must obey Christ. We must hold fast to our confession, even in the face of trial, even in the face of suffering, even in the face of hardship. But let's be honest with one another, that's easier said than done. Especially if, if, you're, if I'm the one going through suffering. It's easier for me to tell someone who is suffering, hey, hold fast to Christ, obey His Word. It's a whole lot harder when I'm the one going through suffering, when I'm the one going through trial. So we need to know how we do this. You know, you might say, that's easy for you to say, you don't know. You don't know what it's like to suffer like I'm suffering in my particular circumstance. I'm not strong enough to hold on. I mean, how can I go on faithfully holding to Christ, faithfully holding to God's word when all of hell is coming against me telling me to go the other direction? All of the world, all of my own flesh is telling me go back, go back to who you were, go back to the way you came, go back to the old religion, go do those things, it will be easier for you. How do I hold on? The writer tells us how we hold fast. So today we're going to look at two points, the sermon only has two points. But that doesn't mean we're going to get out early. (laughs) We're going to look at why we must hold fast to our confession. And then how we must hold fast to our confession. So the first point, why? In these two verses, verses 14 and 15, the writer of Hebrews gives us two reasons why we must hold fast to our confession. The first is because of the kind of high priest we have. And the second is because of the kind of high priest we don't have. First, the kind of high priest we have. Verse 14. Since then, because then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. Because of the kind of high priest we have, let's hold fast to our confession. Now the idea of, the high, of a high priest, our high priest, passing through the heavens That's going to be explained more fully later in the book of Hebrews. Just in a nutshell right now, what he's saying is Jesus is our perfect high priest who accomplished what the Old Testament priests couldn't by making perfect atonement before God in the heavenly holy of holies. Now, let me give you just a little background uh, of understanding of what the Hebrews reading this would have already understood. There was nothing more fundamental to Old Testament Judaism than the high priest. In the Old Testament, the high priest, his task was to offer sacrifice for the people's sin uh, so that they could dwell with the Lord and not be destroyed by his holiness. The high priest represented the people before God, in the presence of God. On his garment, the Old Testament high priest, on his garment he wore um, these jewels on them. And on the jewels were engraved uh, the names of the twelve tribes of Israel. So when he went in before the Lord to make atonement before the Lord, he carried, in a sense, the people with him before the Lord. And on the day of atonement, the people would gather outside the tabernacle... And the high priest would pass from their sight. He would pass through the outer court. He would pass through the inner court, the holy place. And then he would pass all the way behind the veil into the holy of holies and sprinkle blood of the sacrifice on the mercy seat to make atonement for the people. Are you all with me? Okay. Two of you with me. That's good. The rest of you all, come on, catch up. But those sacrifices that the high priest made, they never perfected the people. They were never perfect and complete. They had to be repeated year after year after year after year. They could not do what they were intended to do, what Jesus was intended to do. They pointed to a sacrifice that was coming. So the writer's point here is that Jesus has done... What the earthly high priest could never do. He passed not through the outer court, not through the holy place on earth. He passed through the heavens, not the earthly tabernacle, and entered the real holy of holies, the heavenly holy of holies, where the very throne of God is, where God's presence dwells in heaven with a perfect once-for-all sacrifice. Later in Hebrews chapter 9, it's going to say this, For Christ has entered not into holy places, is made with hands which are copies of the true things meaning the things in heaven but he's passed into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf he is our high priest who has passed through the heavens perfectly entered into the real holy of holies the heavenly throne room of God with the blood of his sacrifice to represent us as our high priests To bring atonement that doesn't have to be repeated year after year after year, but is complete and done and finished for all time. As Jesus ascended, as God and man, He ascended to the very mercy seat of God, the very throne of God, into the Holy of Holies, having conquered sin, having conquered death, and He made atonement for His people's sin once and for all. Verse 14 is telling us, why we must hold fast to our confession, because we have a perfect high priest who has passed through the heavens for us, entered into the throne room of God for us, offered sacrifice for us, and fulfilled all righteousness, cleansing us forever from sin's defilement before God. The writer is saying to these Hebrews, "Listen, I understand. I understand that you're suffering." I understand that trial has come because you confess Jesus. That persecution has come because you confess Jesus. But Jesus is the only salvation. There's nothing for you to go back to, especially not just to make your life easier in this world. To go back is to turn from God. He says, Hold fast to your confession because we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. He is Jesus, man, and the Son of God, divine. Hold fast to this confession. To go back to the earthly priests and religious works and that those things could never accomplish what Jesus did anyway. He says to go back to those things, you're forsaking the word of the living God, the promises of the living God to have an easier life in this fallen world. That's insanity. The writer of Hebrews is saying, hold fast to your confession. Because you have the only perfect high priest who fulfilled and completed your salvation. You still with me? That's a glorious truth. That's an incredible truth. And a wonderful truth. We have a high priest seated at the right hand of the Father. But how does that, how does knowing that or being assured of that, how does that get me through the drudgery of this fallen world. I mean, how does that help me when I'm suffering? The Hebrew Christians that he's writing to were suffering trial and hardship and torment. They might say, okay, I hear you. I understand. I have a great high priest in heaven. Yes, the glorious Son of God seated on the throne. But man, that's far away from where I am. Right now I'm struggling and I'm being tempted and I'm down here in the muck and the mire of all of this sin and the fall and the suffering that goes with it. Why does knowing that Jesus is my high priest help me to wade through the hardship of this life? Well, the writer next shows us the reason why we must hold our confession. Because of the kind of high priest that we don't have. We don't have a far away ivory tower high priest Verse 15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. The divine Son of God, seated on His throne, knows what it's like to be here, to be suffering. He knows what your weakness is like. He knows what it is to be tempted in every respect, just as we are, verse 15 says. You know, sometimes we think, we think the Son of God, because He is God, God in flesh, that He walked on this earth in His earthly ministry just oblivious to the fallen world. Oblivious to the pull of human weakness. He was insulated from from the sorrow and the oppression and the trial and the tribulation of this world. No, nothing could be further than the truth. The Bible says he was a man of sorrows. He was a man acquainted with grief. Jesus knows what it means to be human. With all of our weaknesses, with all of our sufferings. He knew what it's like to be hungry and thirsty and tired and exhausted. He knew the horrible agony of of pain in his trial and crucifixion. He knew what it was like to be mocked, to be lied about, to be maligned, to be betrayed by his friends. Jesus was tempted with every category of sin and suffering that you and I face. Jesus lived among sin in a fallen world with the effect of sin all around him. He saw it. He felt it. The suffering, the the misery, the oppression of it all. And he took it all upon himself at the cross. Jesus, our high priest, knows what it's like to suffer as a human being. But I think that the writer of Hebrews says more than that here in verse 15. It's not only that Jesus, your high priest, understands what it's like to be a human being. Of course he does. The writer of Hebrews is saying, your high priest sympathizes with you in your weakness. You, his friend, his child, his co-heir, United with him, he enters into your weakness and feels them with you. The word sympathize here, it doesn't just mean he feels sorry for you or he's pitying you from a distance. The word means to share the experience of another. He is with you in your sufferings, in your trials. He knows exactly the sins that you are being tempted by. He knows what those temptations feel like. He doesn't just imagine how you feel. He feels it. His promise is, I will be with you to the end of the age. With you. Not I'll be watching you till the end of the age. I will be with you to the end of the age. Later in Hebrews, he's going to say, he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Not one tear, not one cry, not one sigh of your suffering escapes his notice. And Jesus doesn't sympathize just because he passed through temptation just like you do. He sympathizes with you. He feels what you feel and knows the temptation that you struggle with in your trial because he conquered it. Jesus never gave in to temptation, not once. Never sinned, not one time in his whole life. In word, in emotion, in thought, in action, Jesus never yielded to temptation, not one time. His whole life on earth was uh, was temptation and trial. But even when Satan specifically took him, or not took him, but when he went into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan, Jesus held fast to the Word of God. Because Jesus never sinned, we often think that what this means is there's no way Jesus can fully understand what I'm going through. There's no way He can fully sympathize with the depth of my temptation, the depth of my trial and my suffering and my experience in this world. You are wrong. In fact, The opposite is true. Because he never gave in to temptation but conquered it, that means he understands the suffering and the torment of temptation better than you ever will. No one in this room has ever experienced the full force of temptation's pull. You know why? Because we've given in to it. We've given in way before temptation's full power is expressed upon us or experienced by us. Jesus endured temptation's full weight and power, and he conquered it. C.S. Lewis has this quote. He says this, Only those who try to resist temptation know how strong it is. After all, you find out the strength of the German army by fighting against it, not by giving in. You find out the strength of a wind by trying to walk against it, not by lying down. A man who gives in to temptation after five minutes simply doesn't know what it would have been like an hour later. Christ, because he was the only man who never yielded to temptation, is also the only man who knows to the full what temptation means. He knows the full power of the very temptation that you suffer under. And he sympathizes with the plight of your sufferings. You don't have some jeweled up, robed in gold high priest that doesn't care about the muck and the mire that you're in. You have a high priest that loves you and knows the suffering that you endure. That knows the trials that you're going through. So, easy to get lost in kind of that, but Look at the argument of verse 14 and 15. Basically, he's saying, I know that you're suffering. I know that you're going through trials and persecution because of your faith in Jesus. I know following Jesus' commands... And holding fast to the gospel is producing suffering in your life. It's producing persecution. Remember Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commands. If you, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before the Father. And here these Hebrews are tempted to deny Jesus to have an easier life. And the writer saying, I understand the suffering that you're going through. I understand holding fast to the word of Christ, to your confession, to the gospel is producing this persecution in your life. And I know you feel that it would be better just to go back and to live your old life, to go back and to live your own way, to forsake these commands of Christ, thinking that that God would be pleased with you still if you went back and just did all the other observances. You know, if you went back to the temple or if you just kept going to church or if you went back to the sacrifices or the prayers or the washings or all of the things of Judaism but God will not be pleased with you or accept you through those things it is by Jesus alone he says hold fast to your confession because you have a high priest who's gone before you pass through the heavens to bring you where he is and you will reach glory no other way and you have a high priest who's able to understand you to sympathize with exactly how you feel in your sufferings. He's not aloof from you or apart from you or distant from you. Jesus hasn't asked you to endure anything that he himself did not endure. And here's the thing. He did not ask you to endure it alone. Now, that's our next point. It, It makes a lot of sense, if I do say so myself, the argument from 14 and 15. But you and I know it's a whole lot easier to say hold on to your confession because of Jesus than it is to actually hold on to your confession when you're suffering. I need to know how. I need to know how to do this because I can't. And if you're honest with yourself, you can't either. How do I hold fast my confession? How do I hold to God's word? How do I hold to Jesus, our high priest, when suffering breaks forth like a flood upon me and the weight is more than I can bear? He tells us in verse 16. Let us then, because of this, because of what we just read, 14, 15, let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy. And I want you to really look at these last eight words because we read over them so quick. And find grace to help in time of need. You see what he's saying? We hold fast to our confession by drawing near to the throne of grace because that's the only place we can find the help for our time of need when we're suffering when trials are going on. Our high priest stands ready to help you in your specific trials, in your persecutions, in your sufferings. And you need his constant grace to hold fast to your confession. The writer of Hebrews says, he's not saying don't he's not saying hold fast your confession on your own. Be strong Grab your bootstraps and suck it up, man. What's wrong with you? Just endure like a good soldier because you have the strength to do so. No, he's not saying that. He's saying draw near and receive the help that you need to hold fast to your confession. Drawing near to the throne of grace in this context is is prayer, is speaking of communion with God through prayer, because he's talking about people who are suffering in this world, and this is where you go to find help in times of need. Go to the throne of grace. And that's amazing. That is an amazing truth, especially for, for these Hebrew readers who would have grown up in the Hebrew uh, customs and culture and law and all of those things. It's amazing. You can go to the throne of grace yourself. Why? Because we have a high priest who's passed through the heavens and made the way open for us. In the Old Testament, worshipers could not approach the Lord. Could not approach the Lord's presence. Only, we often fail to realize this when we, when we read through the tabernacle and the, the furnishings and all the things about the tabernacle. There was only one tribe of Israel. One who was ever allowed to see the inside of the tabernacle. Nobody else did. Eleven tribes of Israel never saw the inside of the tabernacle. Only one, the Levites. And only one man in all of Israel, the high priest, could ever enter inside the Holy of Holies where God's presence was, where the mercy seat was. And he could only do that one time a year. But our high priest has achieved for believers what Israel never enjoyed, immediate and ongoing access to God and freedom to draw near to him continually. Because we have a perfect and sympathetic high priest seated at the throne interceding for us, we can go straight to the throne and find mercy. And find grace. The veil of the temple has been torn from top to bottom and no longer blocks the way to access. For those who have been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ, who've been born again, filled with the Spirit, I want you to listen to this. Where our high priest, who knows our weakness, is interceding for us, the throne of God is no longer a place of wrath for us. It's a throne of grace where we go to find mercy for our sin and to find grace to help in our time of need. We are like the people of Israel in the wilderness. We can approach the throne with confidence, with boldness, some of your translations say. Why? Because we have a high priest who went before us, who perfected us, who made sacrifice for us, who opened the way for us. So the throne of grace, he's saying, is where your power for living after Christ is found. That's where your strength to hold fast to your confession is found, and it's found nowhere else. You were never meant to hold fast to your confession alone in your own strength. You have none. Jesus never said to you, call me if you need me. He said, you can do nothing without me. You need communion with the Lord to live faithfully according to his word. You need his strength, his power, his grace to do so. And you can't do it without it. So, you and I need to understand, we need to access the throne of grace. I mean, even Jesus in his earthly life, as he lived in this world, before he ascended, our high priest, the Son of God himself, prayed during his incarnation, during his earthly ministry. On the night before his crucifixion, with tears and sweating drops of blood, he sought the Father in prayer. If Jesus, the divine Son of God, had to pray. Oh, it's arrogant to think we can do without it. We must come before the throne of grace with confidence, with boldness. To receive mercy and to find the grace that we need to help us in our time of need. The writer of Hebrews is not saying... Buck up, camper, and just do it. Hold to your confession. He's saying, No, you have a high priest. Go to the throne and find the grace there that you need to hold to your confession. When we feel like we can't follow Jesus' way, when holding fast to Christ and His Word brings more hardship than I want to face, more suffering than I can bear we have to go to the throne because only there can we receive the grace to help in time of need. Following after Christ and denying ourselves daily, it's painful and it's costly in life. That's why Jesus characterized it as taking up your cross and following me. Only God can equip us to follow him faithfully, to live for him. Only Jesus can give you the grace to endure what you're suffering, Hebrew Christians, to endure the persecution that you are facing. Hebrews is not just telling them, hold fast because you need to and you better, God's going to get you. He's showing them how. Draw near to the throne of grace because you have a high priest. You have a high priest that has gone, passed through the heavens, gone before you to make a way You have a high priest that understands all that you're going through. Run to him. Go to him. Find the grace you need to follow him in him. Don't turn away from the only strength that there is to endure the suffering you're going through. It's available for you because your God will never leave you or never forsake you. If you need practical help to engage and develop your prayer life, come talk to one of the pastors here we 'd love you we 'd love to help you in fact. You know, the staff here knows that when, when I come in in the morning, I have to write everything down. So I write out my prayer time with the Lord. I write it out every single morning because if I don't, if I close my eyes and I go, God, please help them and help that person. It's only a few minutes before I'm thinking, oh, I got an appointment here in about an hour and a half. And I got to go grocery shopping and, and my thoughts just go in all directions. So I have to write it down. There's a lot of practical ways. But you must, go through, you must go to the throne of grace. You must commune with your God. You must seek the strength that only the Spirit of God can provide. I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Jesus said, I will be with you to the end of the age. You Listen, you cannot, you cannot endure the hardship and the suffering and the temptation of this world, this life, in your own strength. You can't. And when you try, you fail, and you think, well, I just can't do this. Of course you can't. You were never meant to. That's why Jesus came, and he lived, and he died, and he ascended to the right hand of the Father. That's why he intercedes for you now. Jesus endured all the temptation had to offer, and he is with you, the one who conquered it all. Go to him. Run to him, not away from him. That's the problem that's happening here with these Hebrew Christians. Instead of drawing near to the throne of grace in their sufferings and their trials, their persecutions, they're pulling back, they're pulling away. And the writer is saying, Wait, don't pull back. Jesus is better. Go to him. The readers are probably saying, You know, I can't continue like this. Years and years of suffering and torment and persecution. I can't keep going. I can't take this hardship anymore. The writer's saying, of course you can't. Difficulties, struggles, trials, sufferings, persecution that come with following Jesus, they should compel you and to draw near to the throne of grace, to find help from your high priest who has conquered it all for you and understands and sympathizes with you in your struggle. We don't just throw up our hands and say, well, I can't do it. Can't follow Christ. Yeah, we all know you can't. And I can't either. We don't just throw up our hands and say, well, I tried that and it didn't work. I tried that and I kept failing. Of course you did. Nor can we say, well, I'm going to follow Jesus in this area because this is what I'm good at. But this area over here, I'm having a hard time following him in this. So I'm just going to erase that part and follow. No, Jesus is either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. But if you say, I hear you, but I can't do it. Understand, you're right. You can't. And you were never meant to in your own strength. Jesus said, I am with you to the end of the age as you go forth making disciples. The Hebrews that he's writing to here had allowed the growing hardship and the sufferings and the persecution to draw them away from God. Instead of drawing them to him in prayer and communion with him to receive grace, to receive strength these Hebrews he's writing to, their confidence was gone. Their ability to continue on was gone. Their strength was gone. There was no more endurance left in them. The writer in these verses is reminding them, you couldn't hold fast in your own strength even when you thought you could. Draw near to the throne of grace and find help. Find the grace to help in time of need, Has temptation and hardship drawn you away? Has it drawn you away from following Christ? Sufferings and trials and all of the things that go along with this world. Has it drawn you away? Has the current of temptation, whatever it may be, pulled you out to sea? You don't have a high priest that is unable to sympathize with your weaknesses. But you have a high priest who has been tempted in every respect as you have, and he conquered it. Go to him. Run to him. Depend upon him. Live in dependence upon him. find grace to help in your time of need. Today, you need to ask, is Jesus your high priest? Is he interceding for you? Or when you stand before him, will he say, I never knew you? Entrust yourself to Christ. Trust in the gospel. Jesus died. He was buried. He rose again from the grave. And I am entrusting all that I am that he paid for my sin and he purchased my justification. Trust in Jesus and he will be your high priest and the veil will be torn that you may go to the throne of grace boldly to find help in your time of need. When I say time of need, I'm talking about your time when you are struggling to follow Jesus. Regardless of whether temptation has pulled you away, or whether you're a person here that has never been saved that needs to trust in Jesus, call upon the name of the Lord and he will answer you. Let's pray. Father, we do love you. We thank you for your word. God, we thank you for the grace of your gospel. We thank you for the grace of that gospel that feeds us daily. Thank you for giving us our daily bread. God, I pray that you would help us to, To be more dependent. Father, for for most of us in here, it's, it's probably not a matter of I just need to do my duty and pray. We just don't feel the need to be dependent. God, I pray that you would help us to recognize our need. In good times, in bad times, In times of suffering and in the greatest pleasures of life, we need you. We need grace to help. We need the grace to live. Our strength is insufficient. Our will is insufficient. Father, help us. Help us to draw near to the throne of grace. Lord, if there's anyone in here that doesn't know you, that hasn't trusted in you, God, I pray that you would call them to yourself right now, that you would show them the picture of your son dying on the cross, taking their sin upon himself, rising from the grave in power and glory, and call them to trust in you, to trust that Jesus died for me, that he paid for my sin, and that he rose for my eternal life. Father, I pray that you would save souls and that you would draw your people closer to yourself and that you would help us to be faithful. We thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to stand right down here at the front. If you want to come and pray, talk to me. I would love to speak with you. Will you stand with me?